to the Health and Wellness Show. Today is October 19th, Friday, and joining me, Erica, in our virtual studio is Tiffany and Doug. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Today our topic is the assault on salt. So salt has been an essential part of our civilization since as far back as 6000 B.C., It's the subject of stories, fables, fairy tales, served as a currency, and has been the focus point of warfare, sometimes called salt wars. In the human body, salt is needed for numerous functions from blood sugar regulation to nerve communication, bone density to circulatory health. If that weren't enough, salt tastes great. Humans have an innate craving for salt, and it's an integral part of food seasoning. No pantry is complete without it. Despite such an illustrious history of use, salt is the most maligned and misunderstood mineral on earth, and it's blamed for high blood pressure, diabetes, heart attacks, strokes, and kidney disease. We're constantly told to curb its use or die a horrible death. So, is that... Is it simply a case of mistaken identity? Is salt serving as the fall guy for other criminal (laughs) substances? And will salt ever receive the apology it deserves? So join us today. (laughs) Feel free to call in, share Mm -hmm. your ideas. Uh, You can also share your salty stories. Can also share in the chat any information or grand thoughts on salt nobody's in the chat (laughs) yeah i noticed that too maybe they're all off salting their houses or something (laughs) so where do we begin let's begin at the beginning the very beginning of time when everything was salty (laughs) (laughs) i mean salt Doug, you're breaking up, Doug. Start again, Doug. He's coming in and out. Reconnect, Doug. Oh. Are you there? I'm here. I can hear you guys, but maybe you can't hear me. Oh, we can hear you. You were breaking up. We just couldn't hear what you were saying. So start over. Well, I was just going to say, because salt obviously is very necessary for our health and around even before there's value salt like animal it's happening again Doug am I breaking up again yeah you might want to reconnect will do okay You got some history, Erica? Well, I know that all mammals need salt to survive. Yeah. And um, so much of our body is salt, too. I, I was reading that it was um, several, almost two to three cups of salt in our body at any time. Really? So it's really an essential part of survival. So our... Uh, cells can communicate, and we are rapidly taking in salt, but also losing salt as mm-hmm. well. And so, you know, things like caffeine consumption um, can cause us to lose up to a teaspoon of salt. And exercising also for about an hour, we lose about a half a teaspoon of salt. Mm-hmm. So sugar consumption also causes a loss of salt. So this idea that, you know, you need to cut your salt intake or not eat so much is really misguided. And it seems like a lot of the information out there, the science is not settled at all. And even the FDA has admitted that when they started to encourage what they called voluntary recommendations because Mm -hmm. the science isn't really settled. So... Well, they make it seem like the science is settled. 
They make they it do. seem like they tested a whole bunch of people from all over the planet and came up with a scientific explanation for why you need only certain amounts of salt. But it's really just what people thought people should be having. It's not tested at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing is, too, that the, salt, the, the human body and even animal bodies and everything are incredibly efficient at getting rid of excess salt. Mm -hmm. Like that mechanism is solid. Like the kidneys, you know, when the liver detects there's too much salt in the blood, it just starts to, it tells the kidneys, okay, stop retaining salt. It tells the intestines to stop absorbing salt. And even if the salt does start to accumulate, it has a mechanism for pushing it out to the skin so that you just sweat it out. Like mm -hmm. the idea that is, is if you go slightly over 2,300 milligrams of sodium in a day, you're going to die is ridiculous. Well, what's interesting, too, is that salt deficiency is not something that you experience other than feeling sick and ill, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like um, with being salt deficient, it would be hard to know if you're not getting enough salt. Well, there are some symptoms like, like headaches and fatigue, um, weakness, like muscle weakness and stuff like that. But you wouldn't necessarily yeah, connect it to salt. Yeah. 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 Like the really bad ones too are like psychosis and things like that if you're really low in salt. Yeah, and heart palpitations and mm -hmm. um, dizziness. It's interesting though. Too much salt is apparently... There is such a thing as too much salt. And apparently in China people would commit suicide by salt. They would wow. drink, they would drink a saturated solution of salt, like a whole pint of it, uh, to a, a pint to a pint and a half, in a very short amount of time. And because they were doing it in a short amount of time, it overrode your kidney's ability to actually get rid of it. So uh, apparently these guys in China would drink the pickling brine from like pickling cabbage and stuff like that, and they mm. would just chug it, and that's how they would commit suicide. And you would think there'd be more efficient ways of committing suicide, but it just yeah, it goes to show that salt. you can yeah. have too much salt. That takes a lot of willpower to drink yeah. that much salt knowing that it's going to kill you and still be able to swallow. Yeah, I think I would probably rather jump off a cliff. <laughs> so yeah. weren't you going to tell us something about the history well, yeah. Um, so, apparently in the 1500s, um, people would eat around 40 to 100 grams of salt per day, which is a ton of salt. But, I mean, to put that into perspective, the recommended amount of salt that people eat now from, like, all the American government bodies and stuff like that is 2,300 milligrams. Sorry, that's mm. 2,300 milligrams of sodium, which is about... Um, 5.75 grams. So they were eating 40 to 100 grams. Okay, I don't know what that is, like 20 times mm -hmm. the amount that they're recommending. So that's the equivalent of eating, you know those little salt shakers you see in diners and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. That's like one or two whole salt shakers in the course of the day. <laughs> um, but and interestingly, the first case of heart disease didn't come around until 1634. So if salt really causes massive hypertension, like that amount of salt is going to cause hypertension, then how come nobody was dying of heart disease until 150 years later almost? That's because they didn't have blood pressure machines back then, Doug. <laughs> oh, is that why? <laughs> so they couldn't tell that they had oh, high blood pressure. Right. No, but the reason that they uh, consume so much salt is because salt is an excellent preservative exactly. for meat. And fish, so you put the salt on your meat or fish, and it soaks up all the moisture in there, and it preserves your meat. So exactly that way, yeah. And, and yeah. using brine too. So in China, they used uh, they figured out how to make brine by boiling ocean water in clay pots. And if anyone's ever eaten wild game like pork or uh, hog. Uh, you want to soak it in brine for like 24 hours before you eat it because it really softens and tenderizes the meat. Right. So 
in the early 1800s until World War II, uh, Westerners ate about 15 to 17 grams of salt per day, which is still about three times what the recommended amount is right now. Mm -hmm. um, and then after refrigeration became widespread, salt consumption dropped a lot for the very reason you were saying, Tiff, because they weren't mm -hmm. using it for preservation anymore. Um, so it dropped to about half that rate, which equals to about like 1.8 teaspoons per day. And this level has remained pretty steady ever since. Um, but despite that fact, hypertension keeps on going up, mm. even though it's salt consumption has remained steady. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably the sugar. That's my, my personal feeling on it. Well, the thing that always gets me with a lot of these governmental bodies is how they zero in on one, one component of something. Like, diseases are multifactorial. But they always say, oh, it's because of this, or it's because of that. So it's because of salt. Yeah. This one component that this person has high blood pressure, or this person has heart disease, or this person has diabetes. It's just because of the salt. Yeah. They're so short-sighted. And I guess they assume that we're stupid. I guess most people believe it. So they do kind of get away with it, because most people still believe that salt is bad for you. Oh, everybody like does. You go out to eat with somebody and they put some salt on their food and uh, they, have, they feel guilty about it. Oh, I shouldn't use so much salt. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or they see you doing it and they're like, isn't that a lot of salt? Mm -hmm. And you're like, no, it's not a Don't lot of salt. Do you have high blood pressure? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think yeah. the same thing. So, yeah, I can't fault people for that. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, my mom, when she was, like, cooking meals, she would not cook with salt. She's like, Oy. oh, people can just put it on at the table. And it's like, oh, man. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what food was supposed to taste like until, like, I got out of the house. Yeah, people say that. But it's a whole different story when you actually cook the food in the salt. Because you infuse yeah. it and all the flavors come out and make sweet things sweeter and savory things more savory. But it's not yeah. the same if you put, just put it on your food at the table. It's not the I same I totally effect. agree. I totally agree. Yeah. It's not like integrated. Yes. Well, and some of, the, some of the old foods that helped people survive before, like you were saying, Doug, refrigeration were, um, you know, things like bacon and ham because salt draws out all the water and uh, prevents bacteria. And so in our articles that we were reading for this show, they were talking about how uh, in the 16th century in Europe, salted cod is how people survived. It's a very low fatty fish, but it was it was a survival food and everyone ate it. And then cheese is another <laughs> one that became popular because you couldn't transport milk without refrigeration, so they made cheese and that requires a, a lot of salt. So hence why we love some cheese. Every now we and again, <laughs> it's fatty and salty. <laughs> yeah, it's everything the growing body needs. We're mm -hmm. not growing. <laughs> it's what plants crave, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, interestingly, even though the recommendations are for 2,300 milligrams of sodium, which is, like I said, about 5.75 grams of salt, the average American consumes 3,700 milligrams of sodium per day, which is about nine and a bit grams of salt. Mm. So, and like I said, that's remained constant for about 50 years or so. And the Japanese, which are one of the highest life expectancies or have one of the highest life expectancies in the world, consume about uh, 46, so about double the amount of what the recommendations are, um, which is about uh, 11 and a half grams of salt. Mm. And the Koreans, have the lowest incident of heart disease, and they're eating about 4,000 milligrams of sodium, which is probably 10, 10 or so grams of salt. So it's like, how do, where do they get off making these recommendations, basically? They just make it up. Well, yeah. one thing about, you know, the Koreans um, and Asian culture in general is that they also eat a lot of bitter foods that Americans mm -hmm. probably wouldn't eat. 
and the salt helps cut down the bitterness. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if anyone's ever eaten bitter melon, but it is the most oh, disgusting yeah. tasting <laughs> vegetable ever. But you soak it again in brine overnight and cook it, and it's palatable, but it's now being used to lower blood pressure. And blood sugar. Yeah. So, you know, I think the Asians were on to something. But they do a lot of fermenting. You know, the kimchi is really popular, and it can be very salty. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, uh, with the... Sad diet. Americans, like we talked about in previous show, like the portions that people are eating are so large too that they're getting way more salt than like the recommended daily allowances because they're eating so much more food and they're adding more salt to processed foods. Well, I think that we need to differentiate between different types of salt. So there's the processed salt or they heat it to like, was it over a thousand degrees and it sh- like burns off all the nutrients and then they add in these anti-caking agents and sometimes aluminum and bleach to make it white again. So that mm-hmm. ultra refined salt, I think that salt is the stuff that ends up in a lot of these processed foods and sweets yeah. also. So you can't just say, oh, it's because of the salt. You have to say, oh, it's because of the really crappy salt that they're eating along with the crappy food that they're eating. You can't just lump yeah. all salts together. I think the, uh, the anti-caking agents are like horrifically bad because mm-hmm. basically they make it so um, it no longer uh, like retains water. It no, no longer attracts water so mm-hmm. that it doesn't clump up and it still comes out of your salt shaker because God forbid it come out of your salt shaker properly and like so that's basically completely taking away one of the properties that's of salt that your body actually needs like the reason you need salt is well one of the reasons and he's that stuff is poison (laughs) and and then there's the iodine in it but in the reading it was saying that it's like synthetic iodine so Mm. it's not even real iodine because people think oh salt it's from the ocean it's got iodine in it but it's been so processed Mm. and had things added back into it it's survival salt (laughs) it's enough to keep you alive but you won't thrive Well, and it's interesting how kind of going back to the history that like in the Roman Empire, uh, the soldiers were paid in salt and it was a very high commodity worth a lot. And they used to say that soldiers were worth their salt in pay and it was traded. You know, they're saying Venice was built on salt trade. That's how they built all the beautiful buildings in Venice. Mm -hmm. And then now... In this day and age, it's actually the cheapest additive in food. So there's a, it's the cost also. Like back in those ancient times, it was harder to get, especially if you weren't by an ocean. Mm -hmm. And now it's so accessibly available that big food manufacturing companies can add tons of it to food because it's such a cheap commodity. There's a big salt mine. Well, there are several salt mines all over the world, but there's one up by uh, the Great Lakes. And it's it's kind of astounding, like the amount of salt that they can pull from underneath the earth and nothing collapses. I guess sometimes <laughs> they have accidents, but I was watching a video about how they get all this salt from underground and they drill these holes and then they have to reinforce the holes that they drill and then they use explosives and just blow salt out of the earth and (laughs) they just shovel it out and sell it well one of the interesting things i learned and i kind of knew this before working in agriculture is in utah there's the redmond salt mine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they were talking about how sea salt now because you know a lot of people don't want to do table salt so they do sea salt thinking that it's much healthier the problem with sea salt is you know there's now with the contamination of the ocean there's lots of microplastics in it and you know um, uh, heavy metal poisoning fukushima something to think about too radiation Mm -hmm. but this redmond salt 
the salt mine, you know, is thousands and thousands of years old and it's covered by a bed of bentonite clay. So they, uh, Redmond Salt, if any of our listeners haven't heard of it, you can look them up online. They, they have uh, really good salt. That's what we eat. And it's got a lot of minerals in it. And then they also make uh, bentonite clay products too. And they're really successful. And they sell a lot of salt to be used in agriculture too, because believe it or not, the, uh, the earth needs a little bit of salt, not too much. Um, when you're growing food, but it's just how we've been taught that, you know, salt is bad, salt is bad. But like you said, Tiffany, it just really depends on the type of salt that Mm -hmm. you're getting and where it's coming from. Yeah. Well, another thing about table salt versus real salt or sea salt or salt pulled from an underground mine is that table salt is just one component. It's sodium mm-hmm. chloride. But when you get real salt, it has all these other trace minerals in it too. So it's a more complete food. Mm. And another thing that I learned <laughs> <laughs> is that salt is used for making glass. Hmm. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how, but if you think that um, sand... You blow the sand and you make glass. I'm mm-hmm. sure that sand has salt in it, so that's just my theory. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds solid. So salt is not just for food. It's for other processes also. Mm-hmm. Well, even if you watch or look at videos of people that now in this present time mine salt it does that. It goes through a whole process of having to sit and dry and cake and scrape the top off and filter. And, you know, there, now there's this whole artesian kind of foodie thing about collecting salt water and making homemade salt. And it's really time and energy intensive. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can just put some salt water in a pan and it dries out and there you have salt. Oh. So we do have a clip that... We can play. Um, this is an interview with James D. Nicolantonio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's called The Salt Fix. And he just gives us a little bit of background on what we're talking about. And so it kind of like similar with uh, the demonization of fat. Um, we had uh, Louis Dahl, who was kind of like the Ansel Keys of salt. And so I don't know what was in the water in the 1950s, but Louis <laughs> Dahl did the same thing with salt that Ansel yeah. Keys did with mm-hmm. fat. And mm-hmm. cherry picking populations and drawing a straight line showing that, you know, in just five populations, as salt intake increased, the prevalence of hypertension increased. And of course, you know, 20, 30 years later, we had Intersol, which looked at 48 countries, not just five, and actually had salt intake increased, blood pressure actually uh, decreased. And so, you know, studies went back and forth, and there was all these salt wars, you know, back in the 1900s in the book, I kind of go through, you know, how, you know, we had some doctors saying, yep, when I put my patients on low salt diets, their blood pressure goes down, and then we had other doctors saying it didn't happen. And so, we never just really had any good solid proof that a low salt diet prevents high blood pressure or strokes or heart attacks. Mm. I mean, like the DASH diet, well, that's the diet, but it's also low salt, right? Which is dietary approaches to stop hypertension. Part of that was a low salt diet. Right. And so that's a good point. And, and kind of what, what's been happening, Mark, is we, they've been hyper-focusing on the minimal benefits of a reduction in blood pressure when we cut our salt intake. And in the book, I kind of show you're just dehydrating that person. It's not even a good thing that you're lowering their blood pressure when you cut your salt intake because heart rate goes up and you're mm-hmm. just reducing their blood volume. It's not a good reduction in blood pressure. Yeah. And so actually like vascular resistance in the arteries actually stiffen on a low salt diet. We become insulin resistant. Even that famous DASH study showed that the total cholesterol to HDL ratio worsened on a low-salt diet and triglycerides mm. because low-salt diets cause metabolic syndrome. And one of the reasons why it does that is because uh, low-salt diets cause insulin resistance because mm. that's our body's defense mechanism. What's the mechanism of that? Yeah, it's so the kidneys can retain more salt. Uh, the body becomes insulin resistant to elevate insulin levels because insulin helps those, the kidneys to not just uh, you know, retain more salt, 
but it also obviously right. causes to store fat. That's a really important point. You know, I found, you know, when writing my book and doing the research on it, on Eat Fat, Get Thin with my patients, that when they change their diet and cut out the starch and sugar, which causes also insulin resistance and makes you retain salt and water because the insulin retains salt, they started dumping salt. They started dumping water. They lost weight, uh, but they didn't feel so good. And so I always tell people who are eating a higher fat diet and very low carbohydrate diets to actually dramatically increase their salt intake. Yeah, no, that's a huge point is, you know, a lot of people are suffering with the keto flu. Um, and really it's mainly due to salt efficiency, right? Because the, when insulin levels drop, when you cut your carbohydrate intake, um, you know, that just flushes the kidneys out with salt and, and ketone bodies are negatively charged. They'll pull positively charged sodium ions with them. And so really the first few weeks of a low carb diet, you yeah. dramatically yeah. Uh, lose a lot of salt and water, but also the reduction in dietary glucose reduces the absorption of salt. And so there's this chronic mechanism where you're not even absorbing salt when you cut your carbohydrate intake. So did you guys notice that when you cut your carbohydrate intake that you were craving more salt? No, but when I, the very first time that I went keto and I cut the carbs, I had some massive water retention. And I guess it just took a little bit of time for my kidneys to catch up, and then I just peed like a racehorse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting what he was talking about there, the whole keto flu thing, because the symptoms of the keto flu, where it's like headache, nausea, muscle weakness, are the exact same symptoms as sodium depletion, like mm -hmm. if you're suffering from sodium depletion. So it just makes, I wish I had known this back uh, when I was transitioning, because I did go through the keto flu. nausea as well, like, so... Yeah, I think that uh, if I had known to just like raise up my sodium intake, my salt intake, then um, yeah, that would have been made things a lot easier. Well, having a, a lower salt intake really, like he said in the clip, hasn't been shown to have much of an effect on your blood pressure. They actually found that having less than 2,500 milligrams of sodium a day is associated with a higher blood pressure. And the people who had the lowest blood pressures took 4,000 or more milligrams of sodium per day. So it's actually the opposite of what they say. Once again, <laughs> like so many other things, it holds true for salt as well. So the thing about having low salt is that there's this enzyme called renin, and renin uh, helps to raise the blood pressure. So if you have low salt, it increases your renin, so your blood pressure goes up. So it's completely backwards, and I don't know how they can continue to get away with suggesting that everybody all over the world reduce their salt intake. Maybe there's a small population of people that might be for whatever reason, more sensitive to salt. But even people who think that they are sensitive, they're probably not as sensitive as they think. But to just give this blanket recommendation for everybody to follow, that's just bad practice. Well, and the yep. American Heart Association actually recommends 1,500 milligrams a day. <laughs> Voluntary recommendation, of course. <laughs> well, say that you are unlucky enough to actually have a heart attack for whatever reason, like say you're stressed out, type A personality, or you just have a really bad diet that's high in carbs. Uh, if you are a person that eats a lot of salt and you have a heart attack, your chances of surviving that heart attack are higher than if you are uh, on one of those low salt recommendations from your stupid doctor. <laughs> and another thing, <laughs> like say there's a heat wave in town and, you know, they tell old people, oh, you should be careful, you know, there's a heat wave. Um, make sure you drink plenty of fluids and you'll be okay. But they found that a lot of these old people that just collapse and die during heat waves were on low-salt diets, recommended by their stupid doctors. And they're so often on... Oh, go on, Dad. I was going to say they're often on diuretics as well. Yeah, and that really depletes you. Mm -hmm. 
But when you're on a diuretic, doctors who think they're, they know what they're talking about, they'll put you on like a potassium supplement. Because it does deplete potassium, but it deplete, depletes loads of other minerals too, but you just replace the one. So Yeah. Well, it's interesting what uh, Dr. What was his name again? D. Nicolantonio? Yes. Was talking James. about? James. <laughs> Dr. James. James. Dr. James, yeah. <laughs> and he incidentally wrote the book called The Salt Fix, um, which has been on my list for a long time, although I haven't actually read it yet. But um, he, he brought up the whole thing about insulin resistance. And I thought that that was really interesting because one of the things he talks about is um, that sugar and salt kind of have complete opposite effects but both like so both a low salt diet and a high sugar diet will provoke will provoke insulin resistance and diabetes and they both work on a like the same kind of metabolic uh, pathway but uh, they found in studies that um, if you put people on a low salt diet they'll see you'll see LDL increase total cholesterol increase insulin increase and uric acid increase it's like all the opposite things of what a doctor um, with as little as they know would want to see in somebody. So it's like obvious that when they put on somebody on a, a low salt diet, they're looking at blood pressure and absolutely nothing else. Because if they actually you know, had two firing neurons and saw all these things going completely south, they would be like, okay, maybe you shouldn't be on the low salt diet anymore. Especially since having a low salt diet just maybe at the most or on average but i think i read that like two points from your blood pressure so say that your blood pressure is 150 over 98 if you go on a low salt diet you might get 148 over 96 <laughs> so not not that much <laughs> not to even, a difference yeah, yeah. nothing to really go through to all of the that. yeah all of the trouble of trying to calculate how much salt you're eating and avoiding certain foods because yeah. salt is so terrible. Yeah. And it's funny because there was uh, one study done. It was, a, it was a big study, like lots of people, and they found that anyone who went below 1.5 teaspoons a day um, will activate that pathway you were talking about, Tiff, with the renin. Mm. And the WHO, the WHO, World Health Organization, recommends no more than one teaspoon. So anybody <laughs> below the 1.5 teaspoons is going to activate this pathway, which is bad. And they're saying... They're saying something. Or not. What were they What'd they say, Doug? <laughs> oh, sorry. They're saying to uh, eat no more than one teaspoon per day. And, mm. and 1.5 teaspoons, anything under 1.5 teaspoons per day activates the aldosterone pathway. So it's just ridiculous. Well, also salt deficiency kind of contributes to sugar cravings as well. And yeah. that, that dopamine receptor in the brain. So uh, Dr. James was saying that salt is an antidote to sugar addiction. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and not just sugar, but drugs in general. And that, um, you know, you can take a little bit of salt to help with your addictions. <laughs> so if I wanted to get off crack, <laughs> you just I start to eat more of, the, of salt. Yeah. Good idea. Thanks for that. <laughs> Are you still with us, Doug? Yeah. The connection's pretty bad, but I'm, I'm going in and out here. Mm. One well, thing I wanted to point out also was that the, you know, ACE inhibitors... Um, yeah. It stands for angiotensin convert, cover, converting. converting enzyme. And basically what they are, so when you, when you go on a low-salt diet, you activate this aldosterone pathway like you were talking about, Tiff, um, mm -hmm. and that raises blood pressure. So then they put people on these ACE inhibitors, which stops that pathway from happening, when really all they have to do is just eat more salt. Yeah. I mean, they've even looked at these ACE inhibitors as a possible treatment for insulin resistance because mm -hmm. dropping salt makes the insulin, um, insulin resistance happen. So it's like, mm -hmm. oh, if we, do these, we block this whole pathway, then uh, insulin resistance will go down. And it's like, 
it just increase the salt. That's <laughs> all you got to do. Well, they won't do that. I don't think they'll ever change their minds about salt. But the salt debate still rages on. Because there's a debate in um, keto or carnivore spaces where, well, especially carnivores, they eat just meat. Some of them will salt their food and some will not. They say they don't salt their food because our ancient paleo ancestors did not have access to salt. No way. Not true. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> there, was, there were no salt fields, no dried up lakes where they could get salt. But uh, they were also drinking the blood of animals. I know. So they were too. getting a lot of their salt from mm. the blood Listen. of the animal. Well, maybe that's the carnivore's argument. Since we, some of them eat their food raw, and a lot mm. of them like their steaks cooked rare. So they may be figuring that they get enough salt or sodium from the blood no. of the animals. If you see the lengths that animals will go to to get salt... Like elephants will knock over trees to get at the roots <laughs> that have like salty soil under them. And mm -hmm. like, you know, like, like they're, they're, I think it's gorillas will like chew on wood bark to get like the, the, the salt holding bacteria and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. deers will go up on the highway and get nailed by cars. Like they'll risk it to try and get the salt that's been put down on the road. Like... There's no way that our paleo ancestors are just kind of hanging out going, well, I can't find any salt, so whatever. I bet they had <laughs> lots of ways to get mm -hmm. their salt. Yeah. So, I, I never agreed with that when I would like read through these carnivore forums and people were saying, oh, you, should, you shouldn't be salting your food. Stop salting your food. Or someone would say, oh, I'm not losing weight with carnivore diet. Stop eating salt. <laughs> Oh, come on. That's the exact opposite. You need salt. Honestly, there's a mechanism. There was a book called The Fat Switch, and I don't remember who it's by. Johnson, I think the guy's last name was. Um, and what he said is that uric acid actually might be this kind of mythical fat switch, the thing that makes you know, animals start to gain fat for the winter and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And what's actually leading to kind of metabolic syndrome in, in humans is that they're, they're, they have too high a level of uric acid. And that um, one of the things that leads to high levels of uric, uric acid is fructose. So yeah, that definitely could be something. But also, I mentioned it before, there was that study that found that lowering salt increased uric acid. Mm -hmm. So it's like uric acid increases um, in both uh, medium and high sodium interventions. And it's only when you're having like enough salt that your uric acid level is kept low. And just by eating salt, you can bring your uric acid down. And they say that, like this guy's argument was that um, if you are having trouble losing that last little bit of weight, or maybe even the first little bit of weight, um, it might be because you still are having these high uric acid levels. And mm -hmm. if you actually just increase your salt, you lower the uric acid and bingo. There you go. Well, isn't salt or uric acid... Um complicit in gout too the gout yes yeah. <laughs> in the gout and they blame and, that all on meat but it's yeah, really the and seafood too right too much shellfish mm -hmm. and yeah well, they partially blame it on alcohol too but i think in certain cases that could be a culprit so could well, it possibly be not enough salt or like we were yeah. saying or the earlier, wrong, kind, the of wrong salt. kind of salt or yeah. what or your salt is on when you can ingest it like yeah. nobody's just sugar. gonna yeah I think it's mouth. too much sugar. Yeah. Honestly, I think it is. I mean, they, they, they blame it on the purines that you find mm -hmm. in foods. Um, so they put people on a low purine diet. And yeah, that's low meat, low seafood, low alcohol. But honestly, I think if people just cut out the sugar, they see mm -hmm. their gout disappear. And that's yeah, stop be being a drunk. <laughs> well, yeah. Stop well, I mean, being a that drunk. That converts the sugar in your bloodstream, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So it seems like sugar and carbs are the real issue and salt is just being assaulted. Yeah. yeah. Because it could it it's could an innocent just bystander. A, yeah. Just a little bit more of it. Healthy. Maybe the the sugar and the junk food lobby is much more power. Is there even a salt lobby? Do we have a salt uh, lobby? I don't know. Morton. We should get one. <laughs> Morton's the salt lobby. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I never hear about the salt lobby, so I'm just going to assume, for the sake of my argument, that there isn't one. But the sugar lobby is very powerful, and they are really good at trying to push the bad effects of their products onto other things. Like either the consumer is fat because they're lazy and they never exercise, but it's not because of all the cokes that they drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because. because... Of... Go ahead. Sorry, go on. Well, I was just going to say it's funny. The, the I don't think that there is a salt lobby, but when they were first introducing um, salt recommendations into the Americans' dietary recommendations, like Frito Lay went in front of them, like you know the chip company Frito Lay, mm-hmm. and they were arguing for all the science on salt, saying you shouldn't be making these recommendations and saying like you know putting all this research forward. And it's kind of unfortunate that it was coming out of Frito Lay, because mm-hmm. basically they were just advocating junk food, but mm-hmm. they were right on the salt thing. Mm. Well, it's interesting, too, because back to the FDA, which we know is the final death association, (laughs) they they can only create voluntary guidelines. So like in 2016, they proposed that people were eating too much sodium and they opened, you know, chats for people to comment and like 99.9% of people never comment on those kinds of things. But really why they make it voluntary is because they don't really know. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. the science is super conflicted and they can't say conclusively. So they say, well, we're going to give you voluntary guidelines and sodium is easy to target. So that's why they picked it. Mm-hmm. But like Tiffany was saying, I mean, everyone is, oh, salt's bad. Don't put too much salt on your food. So it's like this meme that went out there and was contagious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like again, fat. taking taking the focus away from sugar. Yeah. Poor salt. I feel sorry for it. Well, that's salt why and we... fat. Yeah. It's like a, it's such a good combination too. Salty, fatty yeah. food is basically <laughs> the best. And there's a reason that it tastes so good, because our body needs it. Yeah. Well, there's another way to enjoy salt besides just shoving it down your throat. <laughs> Oh yeah. You can get a salt lamp. <laughs> I am. So yeah. you can inhale it. Yeah. They look so pretty too. I kind of want yeah. one now because people have been getting them for gifts and I'm kind of jealous. But <laughs> they they put out negative ions, right? Mm-hmm. Like the ocean. Yeah. yeah, and they help purify the air. Uh they help you with your sleep. There's something special about negative ions, I guess. And mm-hmm. r- respiration, like for people that have breathing issues or chronic bronchitis or um, anything associated asthma even, mm-hmm. to, to go into a salt mine. Now, those are kind of a thing that people are doing, going underground and breathing salt or having the Himalayan salt lamps or even going to the ocean and getting some of that fresh, salty air. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to help with Wi-Fi, too, with the negative <gasps> yeah. effects of Wi-Fi signals. Uh-huh. So put okay, your lamp next to your, your Wi-Fi beater. router. Oh, yeah, that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't have Wi-Fi and get a lamp yeah. anyway. And you got to put a little plate under your Himalayan salt lamp, especially if you live in a humid place because it, it sweats. So mm-hmm. as the, uh, you the water... No, no. I, well, I don't know. I haven't. It hasn't <laughs> happened to me yet. But, uh, you know, when you're in a more humid climate, it essentially the lamp sweats and you get water underneath. So it's kind of back to what we were saying about the history of how salt was used to preserve food. It's, it's sucking the moisture out of the air. So if your Himalayan salt lamp sweats, you can just lick the lamp. <laughs> <laughs> and get some extra salt, like if you ran out before you went to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, and we're really seeing like a renaissance in salt in food. I'm sure, Doug, you may have some to share on this working in the culinary world. Like mm-hmm. now there's, you know, um, Icelandic artesian salt and local produce salt and black salt and red salt and smoked mm. salt and mm. yeah um 
yeah. flavored infused salts like uh, what is it? What's the mushroom that everyone loves now? The truffle salt, mm. and these oh, yeah. things are expensive. Yeah, I think a lot of that is just kind of Mickey. Like honestly, why would you want to have like herbs and stuff like that in with your salt? Like just use salt and then throw in herbs on its own. <laughs> That's my <laughs> perspective on it anyway. Because it's like sometimes you want something to be more salty than herbs, vice versa. So. Mm -hmm. hmm. Profiles. And it's what's really interesting actually is that um, I've noticed, and I don't know if other people notice this or not, but if you use something like regular table salt on food, you need like a lot more of it to be able to actually get the flavor out of it that you want. Whereas if you put sea salt on or Himalayan salt or something like that, and it's like the taste is different. And it's like really hard to exactly say how it's different, but it's kind of like your body knows that it's getting what it needs. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's like, yes, more of that. That's good. Keep that up. And, and it, it just like, it, it translates into the taste. So you're just kind of like eating it and you're like, oh, this tastes really good. But really it's because your body is kind of like, it knows what its need is, needs are and it's biologically driven to meet the demands that it needs. Yep. The body well, knows what it's doing. In, in doing the reading for this show, I found out, which I didn't know before, that if you're a coffee drinker and you like bitter coffee, or you don't like bitter coffee, but you like coffee, you can add salt to your coffee and it cuts the bitterness. And so I tried it this morning. It actually did cut a lot of that bitterness in the coffee. Mm. So it brings out flavors too. And it's good because caffeine will actually deplete your sodium levels. So adding a little bit of salt will counteract at least some of that, I think. Yeah. And now you see, too, all these sweets, caramelized salt chocolates mm -hmm. or uh, sea salt chocolate, dark chocolate. So it's that yeah. kind of salty and sweet. Yeah, that's like crack. That salty-sweet <laughs> yeah. combination. Oh, my God. Or chocolate-covered salty nuts. <laughs> oh, that's the best. <laughs> I remember when I was living in California, the Trader Joe's there had like a mixed nut and they were salted nuts covered in dark chocolate. And it was the, like, it was just the best thing ever. You know, <laughs> I would, I would try, you know, I'd try to be good, but if I ever needed a treat, I would go for those things. And oh my God, mm -hmm. so good. Well, and Trader Joe's is another one of those places that's really kind of picked up on the artesian salt combos that you were talking about earlier like mm. lavender salt or <laughs> yeah. garlic onion salt and you know maybe it is in a sense getting people to get more into salt by having a fancy kind of yeah label or whatnot but um it's always really chunky too so it's got the grinder built in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's good stuff all this talk about salt is making me want to take an Epsom salt bath. Maybe mm. I'll do that this weekend. Submerge myself in salt. What are the benefits of that? Uh, it helps, <laughs> like, if you have sore muscles or, mm. like, workout fatigue. It's good. And it helps with your sleep. Those are yeah. the things that I notice personally. It's just so relaxing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's also good because there's magnesium in it, and mm. it's a good way of getting magnesium into yes. you. And because we're, you know what, I heard something really interesting about salt, actually, in relation to magnesium and potassium. So if you've got low salt, um, your body, instead of sweating out sodium, because it's, it's trying to retain its sodium as much as possible, it will actually preferentially shunt uh, magnesium and potassium into your sweat. So if a lot of people who are like magnesium deficient, it's actually because they're salt deficient. And if they were mm. eating more salt, they would actually retain more of their magnesium and potassium. I thought that was pretty interesting. So you think if you are salt and magnesium deficient, could you take a magnesium slash Himalayan salt bath and absorb that through your skin? Like I know that the magnesium baths are good for that. Uh, for people who don't like to take a bunch of 
vitamins? <laughs> mm. um, I would assume so. I don't, I'm assuming that you absorb through the skin, but I don't actually know that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do it. Yeah. What, absorbing salt through the skin? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure you can. That's why people die who are shipwrecked. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, I get all of my shipwreck stories from watching Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> so at the very end where the girl was up on that, like, floating piece of timber wood and she survived and Leonardo DiCaprio died because his body was submerged in the salt water. I thought that was because of cold. Oh, no? Okay. <laughs> I could be wrong. That's how I always read it, though. No, it's the salt. Yeah. I've never seen the Titanic, so I can't. That movie. I can't. I can't comment one way or another. No, but seriously, yeah, you can't. Absorb it through your skin, and people do die, even in warm oh. water, if they're in the water for too long, and they no can't kidding. get out. Yeah. Hmm. Well, do we have any more interesting well, facts that we want to share about it? I was just going to say that, so the, the recommendations are for about five um, teaspoons of salt a day. Um, but more realistically, you should probably be aiming for about 12 grams, which is about 4.5 grams of sodium. Mm -hmm. And but the thing is that, like, we because we our body knows how much salt it needs. A lot of times, you can just go by the taste, mm -hmm. like how much salt you're craving, how much salt you're putting on your food. I mean, if you taste something, and you're like, oh my god, that's way too salty. Like, yeah, that's probably too much salt. But like. I don't think anybody should worry about putting um, enough salt on their food, like to, to salt it enough that it tastes good to their tastes. That's probably exactly what you need. Mm -hmm. But I think 12 grams is kind of what to kind of aim for. Um, you should increase that if you are drinking coffee or other caffeine beverages. If you're low carb, you increase your needs for uh, salt. Or if you're sweating a lot, if you do exercise or if you're working out. Working outside. And adding a little, yeah. And adding a little salt to your water is actually a good thing, too. You don't have to do enough to make it actually taste salty, but you just add a little bit. It kind of softens it a little bit. It's actually really mm -hmm. tasty. Yeah, that was one of the things that, that I want to start doing because I, I wouldn't say that I'm salt deficient, but I, I definitely don't have a preference for salty food. Like sometimes even bacon is just a little bit too salty. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I've been getting these dizzy spells sometimes in the morning, and I was just reading for this show about how it could be that I'm not getting enough salt in mm -hmm. my diet. So it's they suggested like a half a teaspoon of salt mixed with some lemon juice, and then you just drink it like a cocktail in the morning. With water, though, right? Not just yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess you not could eight shoot it. <laughs> And then you can then you can put some salt in your coffee and <laughs> go about your day. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if we don't have anything else to add at the moment, we can go to our pet health segment. And the topic of the pet health segment today is antifreeze and salt. Hello and welcome to the pet health segment of the health and wellness show. Since winter is coming, this week's segment is about antifreeze and rock salt poisoning. So listen to the following recording and hopefully you'll know what to do when your furry companions will ingest these substances. Have a great weekend and goodbye. Hello, I'm Emma Hammett, the founder and CEO of FirstAidForPets.net and the author of First Aid for Dogs. Today I'm just going to do a brief reminder of how to keep your pets safe uh, in these nasty cold winters. Um, in particular, what to do if your pet has drunk antifreeze from puddles or they have ingested rock salt, usually that they have licked off their paws. Um, key thing is that you know, many people are topping up the antifreeze in their cars as the weather gets colder. Antifreeze will leak out of cars and it's possible it gets into puddles. 
Um, it's lovely and sweet and pets like to drink it. If your pet drinks it, there's ethylene glycol, um, there is an antidote. Um, it's for ethanol, but it needs to be given immediately and otherwise the effects can be fatal. So the key thing is, the, um, A, prevent your dog from drinking from puddles, um, particularly when it is winter, and B, um, signs and symptoms of um, antifreeze poisoning, drunken behaviour, nausea, vomiting, diarrhoea, um, weeing a lot, um, can cause seizures, um, a coma, and as I said before, it can be, uh, be fatal. So if you suspect that your dog um, or, or cat has been drinking from um, puddles and may have um, ingested some antifreeze, get them to the vet straight away, no delay. The other thing that is around this time of year is rock salt. And what tends to happen is it's um, a mixture of salt, sodium chloride and grit um, that we put down to, to stop um, it basically raises the, the freezing temperature of the water so that um, uh, yeah, it, you aren't slipping and sliding all over on the ice. And that's why we use it. So it's all over the place the moment we start getting our first frosts. And rock salt poisoning will actually increase their, their um, sodium concentrations, not surprisingly. And um, it can make them very ill. It causes excessive thirst, vomiting, lethargy, and it can lead to kidney damage. Uh, key things to do to prevent um, them ingesting too much rock salt, uh, they can wear booties um, when they're out and about. And otherwise, just wash their feet very carefully when they get in. So between their, um, their claws as well, just wash really well, dry it well, and then they won't sit and lick the salt off because the salt can actually aggravate. I mean, you know what it's like if you get salt in a cup yourself. So the same with a pet. Um, if, if it's getting in there and they've got any slight cuts and, and things, um, it will itch and irritate them. And then when they lick it, they will ingest it. Um, and seek medical advice or veterinary advice straight away. Um, with any form of poisoning, never watch and wait. Always get them to the vet as quickly as possible if you suspect they've taken something. I hope that's helpful. That's Emma Hammett from firstaidforpets.net. Well, thank you for that, Zoya. That's actually interesting. Mm. I had no idea. At the same time, it's almost impossible to keep your dogs from licking ponds of water. <laughs> Put a muzzle on. <laughs> But I wonder if dogs crave salt too, especially if they're on a keto diet. Well, I know cats do. Yeah, you can put salt in their salt in their food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that my dogs like to drink the bath water with the Epsom salt oh. and Himalayan salt in it. Really. So. <laughs> <laughs> So do we have anything else to add? We're kind of coming up on our time and uh, have any questions from the chat? Any callers? Anyone like to call in and <laughs> share their salt tale? Don't be fearful of salt. Yeah. Eat the salt. Oh, Zoya says give them raw meat with blood in it. Because mm. blood is salty. It's a good idea. Sure is. Yeah, I do that with uh, when I feed them raw chicken. I pour all pour pour all the the blood in there too from the chicken. That's good. Yeah. So don't be afraid of salt. Eat all the salt you want. Yeah. Don't make salt mad by disrespecting it. Yeah, and blame me. <laughs> you don't want to see salt angry. <laughs> <laughs> Gets rather salty. Yes. <laughs> But go for the healthier salt, not just the table salt, yeah. not just the, yeah. the white caked salt. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening and joining in. And uh, we will see you all next week for another show. Tune in this weekend to our SOT shows. The Truth Perspective on Saturday and Newsreel on Sunday. Sunday. And hope you all have a wonderful weekend. 
Goodbye, everybody. Bye.